For business owners, marketing execs, and anyone trying to grow your business, pump your profits, and make more while doing less, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business with Brad Costanzo. Sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat. Profits. Now here's your host, Brad Costanzo. All right, welcome back to Bacon Wrapped Business. This is Brad, and today I got a fun episode, or as we refer to it on this show, Episizzles. Every all those other podcasts, they have episodes. We're different. So today I'm inviting David Osborne on the show. Now, David, super interesting guy. I've, I've known about him for a long time. This is the first time we've ever met. He's the co-founder of a company called GoBundance which we will dive into. It's an, really an amazing mastermind. I've got several friends who are members of that. He's also a New York Times best-selling author and an extremely successful real estate investor. Is one of the, if not the largest, one of the largest uh, franchise owners of Keller Williams Real Estate. we talk a little bit about that. And he co-founded GoBundance Mastermind. I, I don't even know if he calls it a mastermind, but uh, we'll find out in a minute. But this group, in an effort to build a a really quality peer group of other successful men who can hold each other accountable to their own high standards and who choose to live life at the peak. He founded it in 2013. And since then, it's grown to nearly 200 members who connect at seasonal tribal gatherings and annual international bucket list type trip, which I've heard some really good things about. So today he's here to share some of the most epic adventures he's had with uh, the GoBundance, so I think he calls them GoBros, and the lessons he learned along the way. And I want to find out a little bit about some of his journey and what it's taken to build not only his real estate career, but then switching over to the GoBundance business model. And I've just got a lot of questions. So we're going to kick it off right now. David, welcome to Bacon Wrap Business. Brad, great to be with you here, man. Let's bring the sizzle. You know it. So... Let's go back a little bit because I know in reading your bio, it says that when you were in your early 20s, that, you know, it wasn't always easy success, right? It was, uh, you, did I hear you were bankrupt or you went broke when you were 26? Did I get that I right? Was, I had negative net worth. So I came back from hitchhiking around the world. I had a credit card bill, zero assets, zero money, minus $1,500 was my net worth when I got back in 1994 and started my journey in real estate. Now, I had wonderful parents, so I had a place to live. I wasn't living out of my car or in a cardboard box or anything like that. Um, I just had negative net worth and came home. My dad was a soldier. My mom was a realtor. My dad wanted me to join the forces and I chose instead to go work with my mother in real estate. I never thought I'd stay in real estate, but I needed money. So I went in there to make some money while I looked for a real job. I thought being a realtor was not a real job at the time. And here I am still looking for a real job 25 years later. Trying to figure out what you want to do when you grow up. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. So six years. Yeah, it keeps getting longer. I keep having to add years. So yeah, right. it was fun. It's been a great journey. At Keller Williams, when I joined it, had 800 people. Now there's 180,000. So obviously, wow. it went from a tiny little company where I knew everybody pretty much to a giant, you know, number one company in real estate in the world. Did you just start as an agent? Was that your first? Actually, really as an assistant before I even got licensed, I just sat. My mom had a team. She was a decent, amazing human being, good producer. I mean, I call it decent production because back then people just didn't produce like they do today. Today, people are doing a million plus GCI. Back then, you had 
no cell phones, no yeah. real, you know, no computers, no, you know, faxes were just coming about out. So, I mean, people don't realize how far it's all come. So I joined as her assistant at first, became an agent. We became the number one team in the company. And then after three years, I went to move to Dallas and just started opening up franchises. It sounds glamorous and glorious, but it really wasn't. It was just a grind. We were not the company we are today. So most people that bought a franchise back then were struggling or failing. So it was a ticket to losing your money, not adding money. But fortunately, with some help of some very sharp partners and different people and Gary Keller's coaching, my region became successful and we were able to build a certain amount of success. I had I started my first office up there. I, I had 20% ownership. My parents had 20% ownership. The McKissicks had 20% ownership. And then we sold 40% to various agents. Uh, it was crazy. So that's how it started. It was kind of like jump into the ocean and build your boat while you're sinking and drowning. But that's how we do it as entrepreneurs, got, right? It is how we do it. And we got stronger and the Keller Williams got stronger. And Gary Keller was obsessed with training and coaching, thank goodness because I certainly was not skilled enough to do the, what I do today then, but I slowly grew. The company grew. We all got better together. And then we were a 10-year overnight success. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, fast forward to either today or when you decided to launch GoBundance. Tell me about that. Like, did you started to, and before we dive into like the uh, starting it, like, did you get to a point in the, with the real estate career that you were now not having to work in the business as much and that you maybe had a little bit more a little bit more time to focus on some of these these other projects you know i've been very lucky and again gary keller's number one training one of the top trainings was how to hire great people and it's called mm -hmm. recruit select i was in it when he was learning it in 1997 it went on to become a massive central pillar of Keller Williams. They basically taught us how to hire great people. So the reason I can own 15 franchises isn't because of my charming personality and my ability to lead people. It's because I've learned how to hire great people that are more talented than me at their various jobs. So having learned that process led me all the way till 2006. And then corporate offered me a job down in Austin. So I moved from Dallas to Austin. I had to leave all my businesses. I had to leave them in the hands of my successor, my replacement. And so really my journey was one of forced leverage, forced, it, forced because of the scale of my business, I had to work through others. I had a mini nervous breakdown at one point or an identity crisis, I guess is a better term for it. Broke through, changed, learned how to not be the doer, but be the leader of the doers, if that makes sense. Came back to Austin. And then my dad got sick with cancer and I nursed him. So again, another reason I had to sort of check out from work for a little bit. And you know, to my shock and dismay, Brad, but good for my pocketbook, I found that I'm not that important. I found that I am not fundamentally essential to my business. That if I hire the right people and I have the right systems and processes in place, my world can grow with minimal oversight from me. And that's what became my mantra. So from that, and during this journey, I met a guy called Pat Hyben. And Pat and I used to hold each other accountable. He was the number one real REMAX agent in the United States. And then the next year, he was the number one Keller Williams agent in the United States. This is 96, 97. And we became accountability partners built around a training mastermind that Fred Gross taught. Along the way, we met a guy called Tim Rode. We used to just compete on the number of hours worked, the amount of money we made, all the things you would think aspiring entrepreneurs would compete on. Then we mm -hmm. met Tim who had retired and lived in the mountains and just mountain biked every day and rode skis every day and collected mailbox money. He had like 18 checks coming in a month, whether he worked or not. <laughs> and then we started competing on number of checks. 
And then we started competing on the number of days off we could take. So it's this whole cycle of like evolution. And we were accountability partners all the way until about 2011 or 12. And then frankly, we were just sick of each other's stories. We're like, we'd added in adventure trips because we used to go to conferences and meet and we decided to do adventure trips. So we would do an adventure trip, mastermind, discuss our plans, hold each other accountable. And it was all a lot of fun. And we got sick of each other's stories. So we said, hey, everyone invite one person. So we brought one person each to the Tomatina. We went to the huge tomato fight. We hiked on the Camino de Santiago in Spain. And then one of the guys there was like, you guys have something here. You should teach people this stuff. Because on the trips, we're discussing important messages about life. We're, we're discussing our plans and our goals. So the next year we opened it up, it was 12. The year after that, it was 26. The year after that, 45. Then 100. Then now we're at 220 members. It's just been like a because there's such a demand for entrepreneurs to be around people and every one of us that founded this company are financially free. We don't have to work. We're family men. We have wives and kids. Along the way, we met Mike McCarthy, who became a part of it. And you know, we have great physical health. We have great relationships. We give money back to various causes. So it's really being the whole person. And so that's how GoButtons was born. And we found there was a huge appetite for you know, when you're a lone wolf and you've had a certain amount of success, you become an island. So it's really an environment for successful lone wolves to find their tribe, to find their pack, people that you don't have to apologize to for being awesome. You don't have to hide your success. You can actually just be who you truly are and then learn from one another and become more. You know, that that's amazing. And it is, it is one of the biggest benefits of groups like this. I've been a part of multiple. I've had my own in the past boardroom mastermind. And some of the biggest advances in my, not only my career, but just in my personal fulfillment have come really through, it's through the relationships that I've built with the right people. And being able to, like you just mentioned, be able to share the frustrations that like an entrepreneur deals with on a day-to-day basis with other people who get it. Because Yes. You know, we're a minority and a lot of people just don't get it. They can't quite relate. They don't really understand. They think they see entrepreneurs living this glamorous life on Instagram and they think, oh, wow, you're an, you're an entrepreneur. It must be all, you know, private jets and Lamborghinis. <laughs> it's right. Really right. Far from that. Well, and unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of people overhype that. I had a friend who just went and, you know, there's this thing called Black Jet or Black Card where you can, for oh, 10 yeah. grand a year, ride the empty legs on jets. You know, have you heard of that? And so he started doing that, posting a bunch of pictures of himself. And the next thing you know, he's got like 80,000 followers. And I'm thinking, wow, that's like a symptom of of our society that people fall in love with that imagey stuff. But really that's not the way of an entrepreneur. It's a grind, as you know, and it's, uh, it requires you to build the boat as you're drowning, like you said earlier. And it, it's a fun journey and only entrepreneurs really understand entrepreneurs because there's no safety net most days. You're kind of all in every day for what you're doing. That's true. Um, and it becomes I lonely, gave, for sure. I, yeah. I was going to say, I gave a speech not too long ago, and <laughs> these were a lot of people in the early, early stages of maybe being a, an entrepreneur. And I said, who wants to make the easy money? And everybody raised their hand. And I was like, keep your day job. That's the easiest money you'll ever make. I mean, you get to uh, clock out at five, you get benefits, don't have to think about your job during the weekend, unless you're just bitching about your boss. <laughs> That's the easy yeah. stuff. But for everybody else, it's different. I want to dive into like, you know, what GoBundance really is and is not and kind of how it differs from a lot of the other groups that people can join out there. Because, you know, there's no shortage of groups. But one of the things I think you've kind of 
that you've done recently, and I have not yet read it, but I'm looking forward to it, is you've written this or co-written this book called Tribe of Millionaires. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of a parable of the entrepreneurial journey and as it applies to building these support networks and accessing them. But tell me more about it as somebody who hasn't read it, but who's very interested in it. I want to dive into that. It's a really good read. It's the third book I've been involved with as a co-author. And it's been my most fun project. It's a business fable. You can read it in an hour and a half. We're giving it away free at tribeofmillionaires.com. It's basically this idea of what Pat, Tim, and I went through turned into a business fable. Like before I met Tim, I didn't really pay attention to my health. I just relied on my genes and I didn't never work out, but I did, it wasn't a major staple of my life. I was 15 pounds heavier. I was, my cholesterol was higher. When I married my long suffering girlfriend and turned her into my wife, it wasn't like I knew how to do anything other than work. So I wasn't great around presence with her and being present. I mean, Clearly, there were times I was great because she chose to stay with me, but I wasn't you know, really tuned into that. I just liked to work, so I would work. The other thing you notice with entrepreneurs is we reach a certain level of success and we can't hardly relate to our friends anymore because our friends may have a job with a boss they hate and not be able to pay, you know, trying to decide if they can afford a vacation or not. And I don't have that issue, right? I can do whatever I want when I want now after putting in the 20 odd years building my businesses. But at the beginning, I could do, you know, there was no boss anyway. There was only me. Like I could look in the mirror and like, who's the secretary? Me. Who's the boss? Me. Who builds the computers? Me. Who builds <laughs> who's the, the janitor? You know, <laughs> everything, you know, everything. So you don't really understand that. So you end up having to hide yourself around your friends. So you end up downplaying your own success because you don't want to seem like a jerk, frankly. But what good is that if you have to live your life in a box and not mm-hmm. shine your light? So being around entrepreneurs that have made it and the tribe of millionaires it enables you to be who you are without hiding. And then you can pick up wisdom from others. Like, yeah, I struggled with being present for my daughter and playing doll with her because I didn't really enjoy it. So here's the strategies I use to be a better dad. Or I've had hiring issues in my business too. Let me tell you the three books and the classes I went to learn how to hire. So uh, Tribe of Millionaires is about how important it is that you choose to hang out with the right people. That in fact, the most important choice you'll make in life is who you hang out with. David, does that have to do with the subtitle of the book, which is, what if one question could change everything? Yes. I mean, for sure. What if one choice could change everything? And that choice would be who you hang out with. I mean, I think I learned, I come from a very middle-class family, middle of the middle class. My dad was a soldier. My mom was a housewife until she became a realtor. Very special people. Um, but we, we were in the middle of the middle of the class. No one was you know, preaching to us about having it all or being financially free or any of that sort of stuff. Uh, my mom had more success in real estate in the first five years than my dad had ever had, you know, being a soldier. You just don't get paid very much to be a soldier. You do it for yeah. the love of country. And, you know, he loved that stuff. So the only way I could absorb the information I needed to become the guy I am today is first off through mentors and coaches. So early on, it might've been Tony Robbins or Jim Rohn and Gary Keller was an amazing influence on my life, but you are going to be influenced. Your destiny is shaped only by those around you. So the, the choice is, how do you put yourself in the most potent environment around people that will influence you to become better? You know, when I got financially free through real estate, wasn't when someone taught me about it. It wasn't when I read Cash Flow Quadrant. It was when my peer partner, Pat, suddenly bought his 20th unit and had, you know, 150000 a year coming in, whether he worked or not. And I thought, man, if this guy's doing this, I should be able to do it. Like that's where the, the magic happens is not necessarily being coached and preached at. It's like seeing people doing what you do 
what they're doing and thinking I could do this better or I could do this just as well. So that's the influence. And then the multiplier effect is this idea that when somebody's done it ahead of you, like I own 100 single family properties. So if you're at 10 and you want to get to 20, I could probably give you advice on what it's like to get to 20 faster. It's always looked so different at one than it does at 100, right? So everything that served me at my first transaction doesn't serve me now at 100. Like at the first transaction, I managed the property, did all the repairs myself, tried to be as cheap as possible, et cetera, et cetera. Well, now that we're adding a few a year, it doesn't serve me to be that pedantic at that level, right? So you got to learn and unlearn these skills on a continuous basis to elevate your life. And if someone's done it already, you learn it so much faster. So that's kind of the the multiplier effect. And there's a bunch of them built into our tribe. We have something called the authenticity effect where you're Mm -hmm. real about what your challenges are. So many people are inauthentic about what they're struggling with. And and so we have processes built in to force authenticity. Accountability is the world's most powerful force. As the son of a Green Beret colonel, I hated accountability as a kid. (laughs) I I couldn't stand it. Today, I love it. Today, it's my favorite thing. I'm one of the most accountable people you'll ever meet. I do my workouts. I get my time in with my family. I you know, eat healthy. I do my productivity at work. I make sure I get in my vacations. Account- people like accountability and vacations. Absolutely, accountability is built around vacation. My goal is to have one amazing vacation with my family every year, like 100 out of 100. And that's part of my accountability. And at the beginning of each year, we sit down as a family and discuss where we want to go, and what we want to do. We've been enjoying those so much that we're thinking about doing two a year now. So what's the last epic vacation with your family you did? Yeah. So my wife and I took the kids to Ireland for 17 days. Wow. Nice. Um, We played 16 rounds of golf. We played every other day. So we would take the kids somewhere one day and my daughter's 10 and she had a friend with her who's also 11 or 12. I can't quite remember. And then my son is two, so we brought a nanny as well. And uh, we would sightsee one day and go check out a castle or something really cool. The kids, of course, their favorite part was feeding the pigeons in the park, which, as you know, you can only do in Ireland. Nowhere else in the world are there pigeons in a park. Uh, but, uh, and then the other days, she and I would go hammer away at the golf course. I, I'm very lucky that my wife loves golf, so every course was beautiful. We played some of the finest golf courses in, in Ireland. We actually looked at each other at the end of the trip and said, wow, I could stay longer, which is unheard of for me. I used to get so restless after 10 days on the road, but uh, yeah. Ireland was a beautiful, beautiful trip. And so yeah, that's, that's that one. Yeah, it was fun. That's what accountability brings as well as like abundant living. You know, it really, I, accountability, once I really realized that as well, I mean, I'm for the longest time, kind of the ADD lone wolf entrepreneur for a long part of my career. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have anybody holding you accountable and and I was making money and I was hustling and, and doing all right. But you know, there were goals that just wouldn't get accomplished because maybe I wasn't in the mood to do it that day or I'd come up with something else to do. And it wasn't until I got serious and started to form an accountability call once every two weeks with a very close friend of mine. And we've, we've done it for years. Things I, I just noticed. It was very simple, but it just started to change. Just the simple act of telling somebody else what you're planning on doing. And then, you know, when you show up for the call a couple of weeks later, it, you know, if they're going to hold you to the fire, it's easy to let yourself down. It's a lot harder to let somebody else down. Hey man, especially I, when they're like your brother, right? And it's like a, your brother's in arms. So you yep. don't want to disappoint them. They don't want to disappoint you. And if you have permission to be tough on each other. Yeah. No, that's the real key. And we kind of redefined it as not even, we don't even call each other accountability partners. It's a more success partners because accountability is one side, but it's like, look, yeah, you're not just accountable to me, but it's like your success. Like I feel like I'm, a, I'm accountable to that. It's the exact same thing, just in different, in different 
Yeah, we call it, we actually call it peer partners. So similar. We moved it to peer because your peers are the ones you actually care about the most. The peer pressure comes from being around peers that you respect and look up to. And if you have bad peers, you're going to go down a bad path. And I had some moments in high school where I did that. And if you're, you know, around great people, you're going to be amazing. If your best friend is Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, you're probably in a different stratosphere than the rest of us. And probably peers really, really matter. Yeah. And you you should foster and cultivate that. Yeah. And I recall it was in a mastermind that I met my accountability partner, success partner, peer partner in this. And it really, uh, I mean, that was the genesis of it all because part of being in that group, it really kind of solidifies what you want to do. You, You build great bonds with the people who are in these groups. And then you decide to take that outside of the on location meeting where you're doing this. So I'm a big fan. You know, I've noticed like I came down, I'd love to hear if you have any other pillars. Like I, I tried to reconstruct the four pillars of what I think most people get out of masterminds. And I'd be interested to see if you have anything to add. But, and it wasn't why people join necessarily, but it's what I, what I found that people get out of it that they didn't even necessarily know going into it. But some people join masterminds, just, you, know, you get information out of it. Obviously, you get tips, tricks, strategies, things you can do that are going to move the needle. I've actually found that that is like the lowest value of masterminds is the, the what to do. Yeah. Uh, the other side are the, uh, they get to talk about the operations or what I call the necessary evils. This part about business that nobody likes to talk about. It's not fun. People get together and go, man, I don't, you know, I don't need the next ninja strategy on how to do this. I've got an HR problem. I've got a legal issue. I've got something else that's going on. Has anybody ever dealt with this crap that I didn't sign up mm-hmm. for? And that can be really cathartic, right? The, uh, the third part is relationships, just the bonding and relationships. And then the fourth part is kind of like the psychology, like it, it's like group psycho- psychologist because I've seen people break down into absolute tears. People who are these you know, front-facing, stoic figures of success that everybody looks up to, but you know, the, the pressure is real and not everybody has it all put together. But when, when they feel free to open up, to let people in and even sometimes break down, uh, it allows the group to build them up even stronger. Have you found like the, the A, that those are true? And then are, are there any things that you think I'm missing of what the real value is that people get out um, of I think I think the relationship is the most important part. I what we too. find in our mastermind is the family component and the child. That's where people get more value. It's funny. They all go there thinking they're going to learn how to make an extra buck. And we certainly teach plenty of wisdom on how to do deals and how to you know hire effectively and build your business. But most people come away with nuggets from their peers on, you know, like, yeah, man, I'm so guilty. Like I play with my kids and I have my phone beside me and I, I check my phone 20 times an hour while playing with my kids or I haven't taken a vacation in six months. You know, I'm making good money, but I just want to keep working or, you know, like a lot of that stuff. I think the most valuable things are often personal or fitness related. There are people that just let their health go while they're chasing the almighty dollar. People forget that the dollar is a tool, not a goal. And if you make yeah. it a goal, then you're, you know, you're off track. Um, I think I agree with what you said. I think examples, I really think if, you know, I always like to think of myself, the poster boy of a mastermind, because if I can do it, anybody can, you know, that kind of thing. If, if you're like, if you're many people put you on a pedestal when you've had success and they're like, Oh, that guy's amazing. He's probably smarter, better, more talented, more, more lucky than me, whatever the word is. But the reality is when you get around everyday people, you're like, oh no, they're just like me. They just work a different way. They approach life a little bit differently. 
So that rubbing off on you, I think is very important. And yeah, I've seen the juggernauts break down and cry too. We don't, yeah, that's really powerful too. There are some people that run masterminds that are really good at that. Fred Gross used to do that very effectively. (laughs) So I think that's always good too. But I think you got most of it. It's just, you want to run in a tribe that equals your ambition. And if you're the most ambitious guy in your circle, eventually they're going to drag you down. Like this is the way it is. Like you can't keep elevating in life with a bunch of like ballast on you, a bunch of people just pulling you down and saying, why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. When I was starting to build my career, I remember one of my good friends was, he's like, man, you make me feel small. And I'm like, dude, I'm not trying to make you feel small. I'm doing, I love you. Like I want you to be successful, but because he didn't want to do what I was doing. He stayed, I played video games a lot, but I I stopped playing them. So that made him feel small, but I wasn't trying to make him feel small. I was just trying to elevate my circumstance. Right. So, you know, we're not friends anymore. I have no hard feelings, but it's, and I don't think he was trying to be cruel either. It was just, you can't have that around you if you're trying to elevate your game and elevate your life. No, that's true. And that's one of the beautiful parts about these kind of groups. Tell me, um, give me a window or give all of us a, a window into what Go abundance is really like as a member. So you have live meetings a year. Is there other ongoing support? Like there's sounds like there's adventure trips and stuff. So paint the picture. Yeah, so of what one of our, like. our you know we got our six pillars, which are age defying health. So fitness, we do some fitness challenges and things like that. Authentic relationships, extreme accountability, financial freedom, bucket list adventures, and I always forget one of them. So the idea is that we do about 10 trips a year that you can come to. Two major ones are Austin and we always go skiing on one. Every one of our events is the same way. We have playtime built into the agenda so you can get your endorphins going. And there's always something physical, playing ultimate frisbee or going skiing. And we always do a winter event built around skiing so you can ski all day. We start the meeting at two or three and then we run until 10 or 11 at night. So you've gotten out there and gotten the goods. We do bucket list adventures because we believe to expand your being, you have to throw yourself into strange environments. So we climbed Kilimanjaro. We kayaked in Norway for a week, which is one of my personal favorites. This year, they're going to Patagonia and going hiking for 10 days. Not everybody goes, but a lot of them go. Then we have chapters. So there are regional chapters in all of the cities. They have their own get-togethers. And then most importantly, we put people in pods, which are little accountability groups, and we have a process for that. We have some tools for that. Uh, one of our tools is the one sheet, which is kind of their life on a one sheet. If they follow it effectively, which they should, but not everyone plays full out. But if you follow it effectively, you would have your systolic, diastolic on there, your blood pressure, your body fat percentage, your age, whatever the genetic age, although those things are kind of goofy, your financial, your net worth, your horizontal income. Everyone in the tribe has to be a millionaire. We do have a JV department in development or a up and coming group for training people how to get to the million dollar status. But right now it's a million dollar net worth to be in the tribe. And then there's some really great conversations. We bring in some speakers, but we make people do a lot of work as well. We really, we have them build their more complete life while they're with us. It's not just business. It's, it's about everything. No, it's, it's, the, it's whole. the whole, we call it the whole life millionaire. Can you have it all? It's not just about business. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's one of those things that you don't really realize how important that is until you start to have enough money. And I mean, I think there's been studies, I don't remember the exact number, but it's something like, I don't know, 300 after $300,000 or something like that of income yeah, I've a year. Seen him. I thought it was even lower actually, but yeah, I think I've it might be it. like you're happier with money up to a point and then that yeah. doesn't provide any more happiness. And whatever that yeah. number is, I, I thought I'd read... 100 or 75 or something, but maybe it's 300, but let's pick a number. Maybe it's 150. Well, I'm, I'm After that, in Cali- 
I live in California, yeah. so California's yeah, 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 yeah. Seventy five wouldn't even get you your your tax bill, right? Exactly. No, I get that. So I guess it's all. And in Memphis, it would probably be a lot. So, but generally speaking, you're right. Like after a certain amount of money, it doesn't increase your happiness. It just no. you know two kinds of money problems: not enough and too much. Right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think we'd all take the too much over the other one, but um, they would take the too much, and you shouldn't feel sorry for people with too much. But trust me, it as you probably know, it's not easy managing a lot of money. It's complicated also. There's a lot of complexity that goes into having a lot of money. There's taxes, there's trust, there's asset management. There's just a whole bunch. Again, no, yeah. no one should feel sorry for us, but if you saw my 1,000 page tax return, you might you know, have a small amount of empathy. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure your CPA loves it though. They <laughs> Yeah, they do. They do. They do. They get paid very well. So unfortunately yeah. for me, I'm so actually are there, not even capable of looking at it all. It's too, it's too much for me. So tell me kind of about your day or your week, like the way you kind of split off. So you've still got your real estate, I'll call it an empire because sounds fun. You've still got your sure. real estate empire and you've got your businesses there. You got to, I think you said, uh, did you have a even private fund, equity fund, private equity yeah, fund, fund as well. And you've got GoBundance. How do you end up, you know, where does your time and attention go if you were to break it down into like three or four big pies? Yeah. I mean, I spend a good chunk of my time still on the residential real estate practice, but it's uh, very high level stuff. So negotiating leases, rolling out new programs. And I would guess that's half my time. And then the private equity fund would be close to the other half. And then my asset management, I have a family office. I'm very lucky. I have a lot of really, really smart, capable people that work for me, Brad. And most of them are smarter and better at what they do than I am. So my partner in the real estate company, I'm 50-50 partners with a guy that's called Smokey. He's great and way better (laughs) than I would be at running that thing. He does an amazing job. I've got a guy that runs the private equity firm who's incredible and you know very capable and very intelligent. And then my family office is also run by a very intelligent team. And I have a right-hand guy who just keeps me on track. My day generally starts at five and I like to get up and get my quiet time. I wrote The Miracle Morning for Millionaires with Hal Elrod. Yeah, and, I love that. Uh, I follow The Miracle Morning as best I can. Yeah, Hal's an amazing guy. So it's get up, meditate, read, journal, exercise. I got the Peloton. I'm a Peloton guy. A, a friend and, of mine just got Peloton get and most she's obsessed that. with it. You know, it's funny. I never rode a bicycle. I always thought it might be good for me. I knew I needed aerobic. I'd read Younger next year and they said, you know, skiing, aerobic, or all these low impact exercises. They had a special at Christmas. So I bought one. Again, keep in mind, I never ride a bike. I'm not a bike guy, right? I've done a little bit of mountain biking, but no street bike. And I'm just fell in love with it too. I got super addicted. I'm like on it all the freaking time. When I'm at home, I ride it almost every day. It does start wearing on my hips a little bit if I do it every day. So I'll take a few breaks. When I travel, I get off of it. But it's a great little, I sweat to death. It's just a really good workout. That's um, awesome. We can do 20 minutes hard on that and just be drenched. So it's a good way to get that quick, hard burst energy in on the morning. That yeah, and then like- I just go into my productivity time. I try to like grind out about an hour before my kids get up, maybe, you know, 45 minutes. Then, then I'm up with the kids, helping, you know, kissing them off to school and giving them a little affection and then back to work. And yeah, it's just... One, so I have a very thorough process for dealing with my businesses. I tabulate them in the back of my journal and whichever leader I'm talking to, I just take notes in my journal for that conversation around that business. So I have a history of what's going on. I wish I could do it electronically. I just bought a Surface Pro to see if I can switch to electronics, but I've tried a couple of times. I still am a journal guy. And oh. if you see, I have a journal here. Like All of these tabs are a different business interest. 
And if I'm sitting with any one of the guys, I just flip to that tab and that's how I keep track of it all. It's uh, see, the front I, of my journal is to do. I was a huge journal guy. I loved paper. And then uh, my, one of my clients bought an iPad Pro and then we had a good month. So he, as a gift, he, he, uh, he bought one for me. So I'm, I've got it right here, taking my notes and I've mastered all the uh, various note-taking apps on here and all the tabs. And now I am a complete convert to the iPad Pro. And, I'm, and you guys can hear me dropping my iPad pencil. But um, it, oh, it, to me, it so that combines kind of the best of both so worlds. I, yeah, because every year I have to go through my journal and transfer everything over because it lasts about a year. Yep. It is a good exercise to do that because it reminds me of a bunch of stuff. But it That's is true. a painstaking process. So I can see where being electronic would be better because you'd have it all there for all time. So I'm trying to switch that way, but I'm a little bit old school. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, obviously, it sounds like you're, one of the things you're trying to do is you know, promote Tribe of Millionaires. There'll be a link for everybody on here and they can grab the book. I think it'll be an incredible read. Besides that, besides just getting more eyeballs on there to help you know, more people kind of you know, get insight to that, are there any nuts you're trying to crack right now? And by that, I mean, you know, are there any specific problems you're trying to solve, people you're trying to meet, challenges you're trying to kind of overcome? This is kind of the opportunity for me and my audience. If it rings a bell in our head to go, oh man, I totally got a connection or a solution for you. This is a... You know, I really appreciate that question. And gosh knows I have plenty of problems. As an experienced and fairly advanced entrepreneur, I also have like 10 solutions for every problem I'm currently facing that I'm working my way through. Yeah, exactly. um, I'd love to sell more Tribe of Millionaires. Actually, we're giving it away for free at the website. Me personally, I've been giving away a large amount of money each year, but I haven't really found a, a charity that's just like made me go, ah, like I want to save that part of the world. So I've been exploring that. Now I'll get a million people with different charities. So I don't know if that was the wisest thing. <laughs> I'm going to go start my own right now. That's it's... one thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Being a better husband, I still, you know, want to be a great husband to my wife. And sometimes I feel like I'm not the best at that in terms of mm -hmm. slowing down and be, being in the moment. For sure, we have our great moments. And then we have our moments where she's like, oh, I see you're in business mode again. Talk to me later when you're done with that. And I'm like, oh, let me try to snap out of that. Be a good listener. Have you seen the YouTube thing? It's not about the nail. Mm -mm. You got to Google it. It's not about yeah, I'm writing it down. It's Let's not about the nails. Is that a, it, kind of like nail. a relationship funny video? That yeah, like it's a two-minute video on YouTube that's just hilarious. Anyway, so it's about makes me think you of know, the, the old cliche. It's, I was going to say that makes me think you, of the magic. You, you don't want to solve the problem. Table. You want to listen. Right. I haven't heard of that one. No. So I'll, the magic I'll, coffee I'll, table. I'll send that to you. But the long and short of it, there's the guy who comes home and uh, he calls his wife over to the... Um, to the uh, living room. He's like, honey, honey, come here. You got to see this. This, it's, this is amazing. And she goes, what? He goes, our coffee table, I think it's magic. She goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, so last night I left like a box of, of cereal and stuff on this. And then I disappeared. But the thing is, it's been doing that every night. Like it's magic. And she's looking at him like, are you an idiot? Because yeah. obviously he leaves yeah, shit out. Yeah. She takes it. <laughs> yeah, she picks it up. Yeah, no, I have seen that. I, I pulled it up while you were talking. and, and the... <laughs> That mirrors my marriage very well. It was yeah, funny. Yeah. Right before this, my wife came in and uh, she's been in Brazil. She's Brazilian and she was visiting her family in Brazil for three weeks and literally just got back this morning. And it was funny. She came in and it was about noon and she kind of had a frown on her face. She goes, um, I'm sad. I don't have anybody to make me lunch. 
oh, you know, and cook for me and take care of me every morning. Cause you know, she's staying at mom's house. So mom took care of her. And she's like, I don't have anybody to make me lunch every day. And I looked at her with a big smile going, I do now. <laughs> she, she didn't laugh as much as you did, but <laughs> she didn't think, think it was funny. I like I that. I think she though. flipped me the bird, um, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. My wife probably should flip me the bird all the time. I don't know that she does, but maybe behind my back. I actually also could use help on social media and uh, I have sort of like intellectual property revenue. I'm not trying to be the next Gary Vaynerchuk, but I have some stuff I'm working on there. I, want, I would like to contribute really to other people and I you know, that so what do you I mean have by a that? platform, but I don't think I'd oh, manage it. Media, like getting, like distribute, getting more out there, getting distributed. Getting yeah. Just- I've always felt like I needed a social media manager. I do it very mm-hmm. haphazard. Sometimes I'm into it. Sometimes I'm not. I'm friends with Aubrey Marcus. So I know most of these guys have a machine running. I'm not that interested. So it's not like I'm trying to be the next Tony Robbins or anything like that, but I do have books. I do have intellectual property and I think they're valuable and good. And I'd like to sort of develop that. So if anyone was knew how to be a, you know, help me in that area, that would be helpful too. Yeah, I definitely may have some resources for you on that. We can connect afterwards. But so if for people who are really loving this and want to dive a little further and want to find out a little bit more, the uh, obviously you've got the Tribe of Millionaires. So what was the URL that people can get that for free? Tribeofmillionaires.com. Tribeofmillionaires.com. Great. That'll be in the show notes and you guys can just click on that. And then if they want to take a closer look at GoBundance and see if this is something that would be a good fit for them, is there... Yeah, a- GoBundance.com. We got it all there. Or DavidOsborne.com. That's my, my URL. Great. And well, the I will thing have- I would tell people is I'm a huge believer, Brad, that you don't change from the inside out. You change from the outside in. The only mm-hmm. choice you make is to change or to be more. And then the way you do it is by putting things around you that influence you to grow into the place you're trying to grow into. So... I love that. It reminds me of a book I read this year and I loved it. Uh, it's a great writer named Benjamin Hardy. I don't know if you've uh, heard of him. But he's got good a- friends with Ben. He's, yeah, he's a great nice. guy. Yeah. Uh, willpower willpower doesn't, doesn't work. work. That's where that conversation was generated. You know, he and I were talking one night and I was like, you know, you kind of change from the out. I said, I loved your book because you change from the outside in. He goes, that's it. Exactly. You change from the outside in. Yeah. Ben's right on with that stuff. Uh, and he's a sharp guy, Benjamin. Yeah, I've got an entire, I did a podcast somewhat similar to that concept. And the, the much abbreviated version is that not, this isn't so much from the outside and inside. Maybe it is the inside. Like if you do change your identity really quickly, like let's say it's in fitness and you just start to see yourself not as being fat or overweight, but like I am an, I am a world-class athlete. I happen to be in a body that has extra pounds, but I'm an, I'm a world-class athlete. That's going to influence the way you think, all the decisions yeah. you make, and then eventually your your body, like your outside environment, will rep, you know, will look like your inside. But that's one of the hardest things to do. It's really yeah. hard to shift your identity. The easiest one to shift is your environment and the people around you. Start hanging around in it right. with a different group of people, and right. slowly but if surely, your five best friends eat pizza every day. Yeah, and you're fat. It could be why. If your five best friends run a five k every day. And you hang out with them all the time, try staying fat. It's almost impossible, right? Like, and I know this from personal experience. Like, I wasn't a big athlete, but now a lot of my friends are highly athletic and I work out harder and do more than I ever did before, like by miles. I was a Dungeons and Dragons kid. We weren't necessarily <laughs> known for our athleticism in high school. That's um, hilarious. Today, you know, I work out almost every day and I love it and I can't wait to work out. And I remember meeting people when I was younger that said, I got to work out every day or I hate life. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? I don't, yeah, I don't get it. Work out. And guess what? Now, <laughs> 10 years later, I'm like, 
if I don't get my workout in, I get really antsy. And that's just from hanging out with people that are like that. I know exactly how you feel. Well, David, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really enjoy getting to know you and hear more about what you're doing at uh, you know, GoBundance and in the real estate space. Tribe of Millionaires sounds amazing. And I cannot wait to pick it up. For everybody else who's listening to this, I encourage you to take it to heart to really listen closely. If you don't have a good supportive group of people around you, whether it's your family, your friends, your colleagues, your, uh, or in a mastermind, look and find something that really works for you. And GoBundance might be something that does. And if you guys have any questions, you can always shoot me an email to askbrad at baconwrappedbusiness.com. David, any parting thoughts? The, it's been great to be with you. I'm so proud of what you're doing. Uh, you know, if I, they didn't have podcasts when I was a kid, but I'd be listening to every one of yours. And, you know, I listened to Jim Rohn 2000 times when I was a kid and got bored of it. But yeah, if your friends want to, if your listeners want to grow, everything you are got you to where you are today. And the only place you get someplace else is by finding new resources, new capacities and new capabilities. And the easiest way to do that is to listen to the right podcasts or hang around with the right people. I love the way you've said it. And with that, We're going to go ahead and sign off and see everybody else on the next episode. Okay, this episode is almost done, but our time together doesn't have to end, at least not yet. Subscribe to the show so you don't miss the next episode and head on over to baconwrapbusiness.com where you can find more bonus material and you can leave me a voice message with your question. If it's good, I'll read it on the air. And if you have a business problem you'd like my brain on, send me an email to askbrad at baconwrappedbusiness.com. Tell me more and I might be able to give you a second opinion on what's keeping you stuck. See you on the next episode.